there is so much out there to get mad about. Social injustices, class warfare, continued colonization, the act of destruction of our planet by those focused on profits and not people. We can find it overwhelming at times. The good news is there are equally as many, if not more, stories of people coming together and rising up against the forces at play. So the creators of Blueprints of Disruption have added a new weekly segment, Ravel Rants, where we will unpack the stories that have us most riled up, share calls to action, and most importantly, celebrate resistance. Another Catholic school board has confirmed they won't be flying a pride flag during the month of June. This time around, it's the York Catholic School Board in Ontario, and this isn't new to them either. Last year was quite contentious in their board meetings. Parents and allies and really uh, hostile environments were surrounding a lot of these meetings where it seems like, as we've talked about before, the anti-LGBTQ movement, if we can call it that, is really mobilized around school boards right across Canada, and we're starting to really see the impact. But in this particular case, it's a mix of bigoted parental pressures. And then, of course, going into the Catholic school board system, which has a long history of banning pride flags. I have been wanting to just stop public funding for Catholic school. It's It's been on my kind of side agenda, my B agenda, everything else just always seems so much more pressing. But, you know, with the rise of anti-LGBT organizing and rhetoric and policies now, I think the time is to really examine how these school systems feed into that. Uh, this is a, a funny one for me, right? Uh, I'm, I graduated high school in uh, 2016, so really not all that long ago. And I was in the York Catholic District School Board. I can't believe how much things have changed in such little time. Because I feel like when I was in high school, there was a lot of really good progress being made. Like when I was when I was a bit younger, like when I was in elementary school, I remember there was quite a bit of homophobia. Pretty common to hear different homophobic uh, slang being thrown around. And, and by the time I got into high school, that kind of really started to disappear. And I'd say my high school was a place where there was very little homophobia, both from teachers and from students. And, and friends of mine actually started what, what was called the Identity Squad, uh, which was a club that met on Mondays where people could, you know, talk about their experiences. It, it was a safe space for uh, people of all different identities and we had a pride flag in there it was right it was in the drama room you know the drama teacher uh was the faculty that hosted it and that was completely okay at the time there was no one who tried to shut it down it was just kind of accepted for what it was right the pride flag that wasn't a taboo thing it was normal there was many 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 students who were out and it was normal you know, there was nothing strange about it. There was nothing taboo at all. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore, right? No, I mean, if you've seen footage of some of the meetings that have happened around the school board decisions. So, like, yeah, the York Catholic School Board is not the first even in Ontario. Peterborough, North Humberland and Halton Region, which are two very large school boards, they made these decisions a couple of years ago. And, you know, the move that's before York is also unique in that it's not just the exterior, but 
it would become against school policy or school board policy to even have it inside. So even in that affirming safe space created, it would have to be void of any flags other than Canada, Ontario, I guess York Region has a flag, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) The Vatican and a school flag. It's so funny that they allow these flags without question as though they're not each problematic in themselves, except maybe the school flag. I haven't seen, you know, I'm sure there's some that are we could criticize. But generally, the nationalism and the Vatican flag in itself have such rooted history in oppression and controversy. But that's not what they're targeting at all. Those are green flags. Those are good to go. But obviously, the pride flag. And there's another one that schools typically fly that we can guess why the Catholic school system would not want to fly. And that is the every child matters. Mm -hmm. So although they use uh, the guise of it's trying to bring consensus, you know, we're not going to fight over flags because we're only going to fly the uncontroversial flags. It's so political in itself, right? We talked about that before, almost like the absence of bias, the, the pretending that there's no bias in something is is so evidently biased. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can understand why Catholic school boards don't want to do this, but... The fact that they have any leeway, and there's some stories around Catholic publicly funded hospitals as well, that get to kind of pick and choose whether or not they're going to follow the human rights code of the province. And in general, it's this religious exceptionalism that we allow to leak in. I mean, I guess as we talk about this, you'll probably find I'm definitely not happy with organized religion. I feel like religion is another one of those things that divide the working class into segments. And a lot of them have, you know, a level of superiority built into them. Like their God is the right God. And so you're on the right side. Therefore, everyone else is on the wrong side. And it's generally very polarizing when you look at it from a global perspective. And I don't think I need to remind anybody of the complications that arise or the ability to veil issues. Like right now, a lot of people are looking at the issue in Gaza, the siege on Gaza, as rooted in in religion. And we're looking to religion to explain its history and to justify things and to call certain things off limits. And I generally just have a beef with religion and the level of toleration that will allow. Because you look at these Catholic school systems, I know that they are open to non-Catholics as students. You know, in Ontario, that is like a third of the students are in Catholic schools. That surprised me. But then when I thought about it, I actually, the closest schools to me are Catholic. And (laughs) my kid actually has to take a bus past the Catholic school to get to his school, even though they're both publicly funded. Yeah. But, you know, as teachers in Ontario for the Catholic school system, they need a letter from a priest. And that is literally the only job in Ontario that allows you to discriminate based on religious affiliation. Like, I don't know, maybe you can get, maybe I could convince a priest to write me a letter. I don't know what the letter has to say, but generally like that, there's exceptions made there and I just don't understand. It's funny though. It's funny because um, most of the faculty are not Catholic. Most of the students are not Catholic. Yeah, I'd say it was very rare for someone to legitimately be Catholic or for it to be important to them uh, out of the students who were there. In fact, you know, there's a lot, there's there's a pretty uh, common joke for people who went through that system, which is that Catholic school made me an atheist. (laughs) You know, ironically, I was probably the most Catholic one out of uh, my friends at the time I was at least. And yeah, it was 
more common for there to be Catholic schools and non-Catholic schools. And uh, for my school, for example, we had people who, who came from, from all over. You know, my, my school was in the south of Aurora, but we had people from North York, Richmond Hill, uh, Vaughan, Markham, Newmarket. And, and that's what makes this a little bit ridiculous because to an extent, I would understand. I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept it, but I would understand if, you know, this was a, a, a really religious institution, but... It wasn't, you know. Most people skipped the masses that there were. And we did all kinds of things while we were there to kind of, I guess, rebel against that institution in general. Uh, my parents sent me to Catholic school because they thought it was better or whatever. Or, you know, people hear bad things about the public school system and they assume it doesn't apply to the Catholic school system. And it's just not the case. And we also had to wear those god-awful uniforms and people did everything in their power to rebel against those and i i think the uniform's actually quite a symbolic thing to what like it really represent what catholic school represents which is like that level of authoritarian authoritarianism right that limiting self-expression individuality in people in a very important stage of their life to be expressing individuality right it's supposed to be don't do that. But of course, when you tell teenagers not to do something, it's oftentimes that that's the thing they most want to do. But. Another one of the things that Catholic schools, specifically in Ontario, have the right to make exceptions to is the sexual education curriculum. And in Ontario, folks will know that Premier Ford did everything possible to really simplify and make as many erasures as possible to references to the LGBTQ community, delaying those conversations with kids. In the end, there was some pullback and they settled on a curriculum. But you know what? Either way, the Catholic school gets to decide what they will They've always had a different curriculum, and it's all based on this faith-based exceptions. And when you think about a third of kids in the public school system in Ontario, so we're talking about 600,000 students are taking a sex ed curriculum that's funded by public dollars that is determined by bishops and not based on what is best for those kids, but upholding a certain set of values. And that's what banning the flag is about. Can you imagine the message that that sends to those public school system kids when they know none of this is about unity? It's about not letting them fly that pride flag, about erasing them and forcing them back into the closet. You pair this with the anti-trans policies coming out of the Ministry of Education, and all of a sudden, these Catholic schools are not safe places for queer kids at all. And the fact that we fund them, you know, I'm trying to build an argument around defunding the Catholic school system or really just dismantling it, right? And and just having a public school system. And I stumble across a pamphlet that the Catholic School Trustees Association put together. And it it's almost designed specifically to refute common arguments. And I will link it so you folks can know that I'm probably being generous, that the arguments that they put back are so antiquated and weak. It's basically like, because we've always had it, and it would be really disappointing to the Catholic school students and the Catholic community. And historically, we had to protect Catholics because they were minorities. And 
they don't really have any argument for it at all because they can't say it's to maintain Catholic identity. I mean, they they can try to say that, but from your description and from what we know, there isn't a whole lot of indoctrinating going on. And that really isn't an excuse for public dollars. No. Surely we can agree that my tax dollars shouldn't go to maintaining someone else's religious identity. Especially, I don't feel like that really contributes to the social fabric in a positive way overall. No, and... and it's something that, you know, when we look at what's the actual underground difference between a Catholic school and the public school, right? What would really change if you just turned them into public schools? You could save $1.5 billion every year in Ontario. Yeah, I mean, for one, public schools already have, you know, religious freedom. And, like, Catholic schools have students from all different backgrounds, like I said, right? Like, it's not just that many of them were not religious. You had plenty of students who were religious just not catholic and so for them being in those schools where you're forced to follow the certain catholic things it's it's not fair to them right it's not that they made the decision to be in these schools in the first place right it's decisions that parents made for them and and it's such a oh god i'm remember i'm remembering things as we're talking about this now like i remember grade 12 religion class because we had to take religion every year right i got into a big fight with my religion teacher because they were talking about the morality it wasn't a religion class it was a ethics and morality class where we studied different moral theories but it was done applying catholic religious lens to it And I remember the topic of sex work came up and I was obviously defending it. And one of the students was saying all of these things about how it was wrong. It was ethically wrong. And uh, and the teacher said something along the lines of how, oh, it's so nice to see a a, a guy standing up for uh, women's rights. Oh, no. To that other student. And I, I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Clearly have like I, I got into it with them and I, I boycotted the class after that. I walked in on the last day of the semester with a stack of all of the assignments. <laughs> like I had like a, a, a stack of papers, handed them in, passed the class and I never went back after that because I was not I was not having it. See, that's troubling, though. If you hadn't said anything, this would have been a conversation largely gone unchecked that demonized sex workers, which in turn actually is misogyny. And there's a lot of kids in this system. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I think many of them told me privately that they agreed with me, but they were afraid to kind of voice that in that environment. They didn't feel safe and comfortable disagreeing with uh, the teacher's stance on this. You know, because it's one of those things that when you bring it up, it's immediately thrown out by a lot of people who might even agree with you in principle, but they go to ye old, you'd have to reopen the Constitution, right? And so, yes, back in 1867, the British North America Act did enshrine that the education rights that were held by minorities, I'm going to make sure I get into this minority word after I'm done, that the minorities at the time of confederation would be constitutionally protected. No 
other minorities. This is important. This is an important point. Not to necessarily talk about the political possibilities of reopening the Constitution. I mean, here in Ontario right now, Ford would not even entertain this idea. His minister of education spent all his time either in a Catholic school or a private school. So... That, that issue isn't moving in this province anytime soon. And often it's not a very politically popular one either. John Tory pretty much almost sunk his whole political career suggesting in the 2007 provincial election that we should perhaps not fund Catholic schools publicly. <laughs> and like, you hate to agree with the man, um, but that didn't turn out very well. But let's talk about minority. I know if you're talking about math and statistics technically the minority is the fewer number. But when you're talking about socioeconomic issues, minority is a power-based concept. So there's no fucking way Catholics can get away with calling themselves a minority back at the time of Confederation. Most of the uh, quote-unquote founding fathers were Catholic. And that's why it had to be written in. If you get your shit written into the Constitution, you're pretty much guaranteed not to be a minority. If you hold so much sway over the negotiations that the country, the formation of the country just wouldn't be possible without your agreeing, you aren't a minority. You are the powerful. You are the majority. And they tried this shit with the Senate. The Senate was created to, to secure minority rights. When they said that, they meant the rich, just because there's fewer in number of them. And so it's framed as though it's like a necessity, uh, a protector of minorities. And it's not. It's a securer of power. And we know this because the Catholic Church is so full of shit to begin with. I, those folks still haven't paid reparations that they were supposed to pay in terms of the residential school. They still have records they refuse to release. These, This is a garbage institution that shouldn't be associated with our public school system, if I'm going to be frank. But the fact that this relationship continues is because they design themselves to be too big to fail. You know, other provinces got rid of them. Quebec, even Quebec. Quebec was notoriously the most Catholic area of Upper and Lower Canada, okay? Like, in, in, even they got rid of it back in 1997, although it's that's to make sure they focused on, like, French language as opposed to wasting time on religion. That might have its own issues that we could talk about later. But, you know, Newfoundland, they asked the people in a referendum. The answer was, we don't want to fund that anymore. We're going to do one school system. So it, it's not unheard of. But on Ontario, once they secured equal f funding, so they were funded at a less rate, which went through the courts or whatever, they secured equal funding back in the 80s and then opened it up to more people, even though that kind of goes against the idea of maintaining a Catholic identity. And they kind of balance that and you wonder why. And I, I think it's largely to do with the part that it would then become something like what it is now. A third of students in Ontario are in these systems. They have their own separate school boards. And so another one of the main arguments that's used to not do this is that at the onset, like any kind of amalgamation, there's cost, right? Rebranding, shuffling, whatever needs to happen. People are like, oh, it's going to cost money at first, but it's it will save money in the long run. But it's a principled thing. It's like we're maintaining two different school boards that are just another mechanism to divide the working class. And we shouldn't be paying for that. I don't even think private schools should exist. Oh, God, no. The private schools are such a 
Like we, there was one close by uh, to my school, and I remember when I went there. It, it's it's ridiculous. The resources that they had that we didn't have was almost offensive. Like I remember we we borrowed their theater to do a a con at one point, and it was just it felt like such a slap in the face. Like why is it that this group of people over here gets such an advantage over us but anyways there's a certain irony which is that i'm pretty sure that catholics are probably a minority within the catholic school system like i I don't think that they make up a majority of uh of either the student or the faculty one of the things that you really notice is that because in the suburbs you know demographics are a little bit different um it was there wasn't a lot of students of color in my high school and you go to the public schools and there were a lot more students of color, right? So there's also like a certain segregation that happens because of that. And I don't think that's to the benefit of anybody to to isolate people. There was almost no Asian students, for example, in my high school, but my neighborhood had a very large Asian population. What kind of division does that create even within, you know, the communities? I don't, I don't think that that's a good thing. Absolutely not. And, you know, whenever you put a religious symbol atop of a public institution, you immediately are going to make a segment of the population feel unwelcome. That's just natural because it's almost like you're you're showing preference to one particular religion. And in public institutions, that simply just can't exist. I had somebody ask me, if only Jewish patients could go to Mount Sinai, what does it mean it's a Jewish hospital? I didn't know that. Olivia Chow said her family was there. How is that possible? They're not Jewish. And so it's it set this misconception up that it's actually a segregated system, but it's a public hospital. And one thing that does create here, because, you know, we, we started talking about transphobia, homophobia. Those were not primarily my experience uh, in these schools but you know what was my experience islamophobia anti-asian racism anti-black racism communities that were not represented within these institutions because there was plenty of people who were not religious but we didn't have a lot of muslim students we didn't have a lot of black students they might not be there but they're in an environment where catholicism is set as the ideal yeah but so what i'm saying is that just being in these schools being like in that environment created an environment where that kind of racism thrived. Yeah, I bet. That alone, yeah. And, and it's obvious why that would happen. When you look at the damage versus the benefit, there's just no argument in favor of this. You know, this is, and, and, and we look at like the history of residential schools. We haven't even mentioned that as much, right? And the, the forced Catholic education uh, within residential schools, right? We can we can see the, the history here. You think that's going to be taught in a Catholic school? You think they were teaching about those things in a Catholic school? No, they didn't teach any dark aspects of Catholic history at all. I went through, I took every, like I said, I took every history class possible and they're burying those, those sins as deep as they can. Not just that, but it's naive to assume that they have drastically changed the model in which they run schools. I know they might not have graveyards in the back of their Catholic schools, but just the ideology that goes from comes from the Catholic institution that attempts to indoctrinate people. It intends to teach people that Catholicism is the one and only way. And, you know, that is very similar to a lot of 
religions, but that was always the purpose of Catholic schools and especially the residential schools. It was to mold those indigenous children into what they considered the ideal. And I imagine that although they've moved beyond the more atrocious ways of doing that, the idea is still there, right? The idea is still that there is a set of values determined by one set of religion. And we've really just, we, we think we've rejected that. I mean, we can point to a lot of examples where Canada still has really kind of Christian rooted policy decisions and has to deal with that. But generally, if you ask people, we believe in the separation of church and state. And the fact that this has been able to maintain itself in so many provinces to me is a little unusual, but I think indicative of the power that Catholics hold in politics because there's just there's really not a whole lot of rationale behind them. You talked about homophobia and Islamophobia and one of the troubling aspects that I've witnessed kind of anecdotally of the Catholic school system is I have a young relative and at some point in a conversation the pride flag came up and we were talking about it we were describing it and i could tell she was very puzzled by the conversation so i asked her i believe she was 10 11 do you know what this is and she had no idea she had no idea and so for me that was really upsetting i know that sounds really young but in, in today's world surely 11 was too old in my mind for her to have never really been experienced to pride. Not just the flag. What it does is it asks questions because the reason, well, I've had this conversation with my kids many times, but it becomes a conversation in June that when the flag is on the pole, it may seem so trivial, but when that flag is on the pole, kids ask their parents. So maybe it's not in their curriculum. Maybe it's not being taught well enough in school, tolerance and different folks' identities and all of that. But if it's never, if it's always hidden away, then that conversation is surely much less likely to happen. And then the tolerance level of straight students is also impacted, right? It's not just alienating LGBTQ youth and anybody else who feels like their flag won't be flown you know, because of bigotry, but it's the students that need exposure the most too, right? The ones that are possibly causing the bullying because they've not properly had these conversations at home. And there's no way to kind of undo that if you're always going to allow religions to make exceptions in those environments. Yeah, I think it's about time we reopen this conversation, although it's hard to prioritize it amongst all of the other things that are happening. But I I don't think LGBTQ parents and, and, and queer students perhaps would agree, right? It probably feels quite pressing in these times that they not roll back all the work that's been done because that's how it feels, right? It's like we got to assert, we talked about this before, like we got to a certain point where I felt like queer rights were a given, you know, and that's maybe naive of me, but it felt like it got to a point where, you know, a lot of derogatory terms, like people know not to use them and that there's an acceptance level and this seems like it's just rolling back. So to me, that's scary. Yeah. In a really short period of time too, like it felt like a lot of good progress was made and then we've gone so far back. And I really feel for the the students who are having to go through that right now, right? Because I've said it before, but 
I think one of the most vulnerable groups of people is high school students, like when, when people are in that age range, right? Because you lack a lot of autonomy, but you're you the, like the the amount of autonomy you have versus the amount of autonomy that you should have for someone of of of, of th- that cognitive ability of you know like of development you're making all of these decisions about your life you know what you what you're going to do is like a really fundamental period in your life and yet other people have such control over you whether it's your parents whether or not it's your your educational institute and the ability to escape from harmful environments is quite difficult. Lack of financial means to do so, lack of, well, just the damage that it can do to your to your future. I think it's really important to do everything we can to help protect people who are in those situations. And, you know, I think there was no exception. Uh, like, the amount of people I knew, the amount of friends I had, or, or, or just stories I had heard of people who were living through extremely abusive situations at that age. You know, seeing them now, eight years removed, many of them still processing that trauma, still dealing with the consequences of, of what they were forced to live through. It seems like, oh, you know, flag this or not in these, you know, just graduate and you can do whatever you want. It's, it's not like that. You know, these are formative years. You carry that shit with you. It's important to do everything possible to make it easier for them. It's important to note here that suicide takes a lot of LGBTQ youth from us. And the people making these decisions, they know that. And so to think that they wouldn't do everything within their possibility to help the youth who demographically speaking and statistically speaking are likely in the same percentage as public schools, as public English schools. What do we call them? The secular schools? Because they're all public schools. But it doesn't make sense to me, too, that people go into these trustees positions, these school trustee positions, and don't have students' best interests in mind. Because surely it's not harming one straight student to put that flag up. We know that it doesn't. Their main concern is a faith-based model of decision-making or protecting the Catholic school system or appeasing really angry parents that have no vested interest in that flag going up or down in reality. And that's a real danger that's kind of repeating itself. We interviewed uh, on our episode Community Defenses, a group that does a lot of work, but much of it is focused on countering all of this mobilization around the school systems. And so organizing around these trustee positions in the school board is perhaps a mechanism of disruption that folks can attempt to weigh in on this subject. Yeah, I briefly mentioned it before, but again, like we do this with hospitals, right? We There's hospitals out there that are going to f- refuse to do MAID they're, they're refusing to perform abortions. They're forcing parent, patients that are often terminally ill in the last it, days, hours, to go down an elevator, go down the street and go into a different facility or worse, go across the city to try to get it or across the province. And they're able to do that not based on the Hippocratic Oath or the other values rooted in the medical system, Mm -hmm. well, the ones that they're supposed to have. And BC now is going as far as building separate facilities near Catholic hospitals that are publicly funded because they're refusing to perform procedures, refusing to do the assisted deaths in the province. And 
I think at this point in time, when you've got governments pretending to like be penny pinchers and trying to implement the most efficient health care, all of this, you know, falls under that, right? There's really the only excuse would be to maintain some sort of supremacy here that that only one religion gets a school system that no one's willing to do anything about. If you were to reverse, the, if you were to switch out the names here for a second and imagine that there was a, a, a Muslim school system that was as funded and as prominent and widespread as a Catholic school system, I think we all know what would happen. There's no way it would still be funded. You know, my argument isn't here that we should fund, a, we should segregate people and fund a bunch of different specific school systems. No, my argument is, especially when we're talking about people who are still figuring out what they believe, what, you know, what they value out of life, uh, independent from whatever their parents raised them to be, because, you know, times change, people have the right to make their own decisions. We shouldn't be have we shouldn't be forcing people into religious schools at all. It should all be public schools, freedom of religion, and let kids figure out what they value and what's important to them. Don't try and uh, and and segregate people off and hope that they end up believing whatever their parents believed. Right? Life doesn't work that way. No way. We need kids thinking like they're one. Right? Like that global singular identity is the ideal for me. So anything that detracts from that is a detriment to that that global revolution. <laughs> okay, well you know what I want I want a socialist school system then. Let's just <laughs> That is your public school system, right? One system, no private schools, because then you got your leches out there that go to St. Mike's they get better protected during COVID. They get a better education and their parents and their families don't give a shit about a well-funded public school system. So once you have a well-funded public school system, obviously, then you have to seize power. <laughs> and then your any changes you make to that school system to better the social fabric, to better the experience of kids... You don't have to do it 10 times over and then just have someone put down their uh, Uno card and be like, guess what? We're religious. We don't have to right. do it. Well, let's just take this to the extremes, I say. Let's have <laughs> 100 different school systems with different identities and, and, and see where we all end up after that. I'm sure we'll have a healthier society out of it, right? I'm sure we'll – it'll be great. I look forward to the – you know, I mean, we can't even have just a, a, a socialist school system, though. We got to have like, you know, different schools of thoughts, right? You'll have like your Marxist Leninist, you'll have an anarchist one, you'll have, you know, well, let, let, let's separate it out, see see where we end up. We'll, we'll all be better for it, right? Let's, anyone who doesn't think like us should be somewhere else, right? So, well, you can be my minister of education. <laughs> oh, God. That is a wrap on another episode of Blueprints of Disruption. Thank you for joining us. Also, a very big thank you to the producer of our show, Santiago Halu Quintero. Blueprints of Disruption is an independent production operated cooperatively. You can follow us on Twitter at BP of Disruption. If you'd like to help us continue disrupting the status quo, please share our content. And if you have the means, consider becoming a patron. Not only does our support come from the progressive community, so does our content. So reach out to us and let us know what or who we should be amplifying. 
So until next time, keep disrupting.